good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the What's Your Opinions podcast. I know it's a Wednesday or Tuesday. Or two, no, Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? I'm not really sure right now. I'm not really sure when this is going to be posted. But hope you guys are having a fantastic couple of days, weeks, whenever you guys are listening to this. As you guys already know, this is the beginning of the week that we already get the guaranteed episode, which is the NFL half uh, power hour, half hour, and a little bit of sports. Um, with that, but even before, like I said, this is a sports podcast. We're gonna kind of, kind of follow up on everything about sports right now. Not gonna cover anything baseball because my Oakland A's aren't in there. Dodge, uh, the Dodgers just won the Giants, so I guess they're entering in Game Five. Don't know when that is, but ultimately. Bunch of cool stuff that just happened over the past couple of days. Uh, the, the, I'm going to talk about the Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight. A couple more fights were announced, but ultimately, that's that's the main topic before we go into the elephant in the room with the NFL and overall just the NFL recap and a couple games that I've watched. Obviously, the Niners. We'll talk about that. Trey Lance's debut. Let's let's backtrack a little bit and let's get into the Tyson Fury fight. So Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder 3 had just happened about a couple of days ago on Saturday. If you guys didn't get to watch that, I guarantee you guys watched it on any highlights because that was possibly fight of the year and heavyweight fight of the decade, in my opinion. And this fight had so much traction going into it that this was a fight that could definitely sell. And I cannot wait to see what the pay-per-view numbers are going to do for this. Because you got to realize something, for people that don't understand, I'll recap it for you. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury have been fighting for a while now, back-to-back, for probably around three years now. We got the first fight a long time ago. It feels like a long time ago. And that ended up in a draw. Uh, for people that really don't understand like that, that count, uh, Tyson Fury was beating Deontay Wilder the entire fight. And then all of a sudden, Deontay comes down with two knockdowns and still ends up with a draw. And get it, those are the if it's not a 10-7 round, then it's not really swinging your way. These are just one knockdown apiece. But you go to the second fight, and Tyson Fury takes it to Deontay Wilder. And you people that don't know who Deontay Wilder is, he's 41-2 now. With uh, he's 41 and he's 41 and two with 40 knockouts. He's won a vast. He's won almost 90% of his fights via knockout, and he's been. His two losses have been two KOs. One, which was the second fight, Tyson Fury took it to him, and Tyson Fury just onslaughted him and, and beat him in a fashion where he threw in the towel. His, his corner threw in the towel. He ends up firing his cornerman and gets a completely new entourage with him. And what makes it more interesting is because he has Malik Scott. He's a really great boxer. Going into this fight, you, you, you see all the Instagram videos, all the, the training he put in, and it looks like he's developed a skill. It really, really looked like it. And I even said it a long time ago, like if, if, if he can transfer that skill to the ring, this can be a really interesting fight on the boxing standpoint. But going into the third fight, obviously him winning the arbitration case, stopping a unification bout, which was... Joshua and Wilder, I mean, Joshua and Fury, you know, you get it. Obviously, then Fury gets the gets COVID and it gets pushed back to October. And now the fight had just happened. And man, do I have to say this was an incredible fight. Uh, this is everything that I wanted for. And obviously, the whole thing was 
uh, Deontay Wilder had reverted back to the old Deontay, which was just swinging for the fences. You look at the first maybe two rounds, Deontay had a game plan. Body, body, uh, duck and dive, then put a couple of shots together and possibly wear him out. But in the third round, he gets knocked down and then everything goes... Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) Everything goes to hell. Deontay gets knocked down and then we're like, oh man, like... It's Deontay over with. And then all of a sudden, we see in the fourth round, we see a huge swing of a ten of a ten of a ten seven round, which he knocked him down twice, and people are still complaining about the countdown rule. And people and me looking at it now, people need to understand that if you wanted the knockdown rule to be in like in place, which is he counts to ten automatically and doesn't pause, then you as a fighter need to go to your the farthest corner you can. So you can start. And then that's when they start at what they believe to be a, a good amount of time to at least give him a sense of whatever. He already gave him enough time. So say like seven seconds go by. All right. Uh, you know, count, count, count. You know, then he counts. That's exactly what happened. That's Deontay's fault again for going back into the 10 rule count. Even uh, Daniel Cormier, uh, a, DC, a former DC, uh, DC, former UFC heavyweight Kind of complained on that too. I'm like, this is why you're only in MMA, buddy. This is only why he's in MMA. But now, ultimately, we just saw a shift. Up until the sixth round, I had it tied. It was very, me and my dad were talking back to back. This is very hard to score. This can, Either round can go either way besides the knock it, knockdown rounds. But that 10-7 round swings everything. Tyson was able to maybe steal one more. And then so was Deontay, and it was tied. Some people even said Deontay had a point over because of the of the of the 10-7 round. And then from the sixth on, it was all Tyson Fury. Like any given moment, Deontay should have been knocked out. Like it shouldn't have gone to the 11th. But Deontay kept it going. Deontay had these little furies of punches that stuck Wilder. And ultimately didn't really do the much damage that he thought it would have done in the first couple of rounds. So Tyson just phased through it. Don't get me wrong, Tyson got stuck a couple times, but it wasn't something detrimental that's going to change like the fabric of the, of the of the fight, you know? And he was constantly putting up the one-twos. The uppercut in the left hand was there all day long. His jab was working, and Deontay just didn't want to go down. Deontay then goes down again, and I believe in the eighth round, Deontay comes back a little bit to keep it a, a somewhat close of a 10-8. And again, Tyson Fury all day. Again, Deontay just didn't want to go down. There was times where the ref was looking a little concerned, and the ref almost stopped. And then Deontay came back again. Deontay came back again. And this just really shows Deontay's spirit as a fighter. How he will not give up. How he's so determined, even though he knows he's losing, to attempt to win it. And that just kind of shows like the difference between him and... Uh, uh, that really just shows the difference between him and Anthony Joshua. Because I don't care what y'all say. Anthony Joshua quit in that corner. Even though he said he was fine, he was showing all the signs that he wasn't. He wanted nothing to do with Andy Ruiz after, I believe, the third knockdown. And it just shows, like, I would see... Ah, man, I don't know how to put it. Like, I would rather, like, at this point, like, to me, I'm done with Anthony Joshua. Like, as watching him as a fighter, it's just weird seeing that, you know, he really thinks he's the greatest when he's lost way too many times. You feel me? No, I I wouldn't even say way too many times. I'm, I'm just at the point where he's just not, 
that it yeah, to me obviously he could sell fights he's one of the top heavyweights in the world but ultimately just can't get over that hump i guess when it comes to good fighters and this is why i i know why now that he doesn't want to fight deontay and that fight could still happen but deontay would just pummel him because these are two guys that don't really much have a skill i think i think joshua has slightly better skill than deontay but when it comes to raw power i think deontay just will actually demolish anthony joshua but with that 11th round knockout that happened in that fight, Deontay just gets slept. And now this puts the whole question is, is Tyson Fury the king of the heavyweights with just one belt? Obviously, he's the ring magazine champion. That really, I really don't care about that one. Just the fact that he is now undefeated. He is 31-0 with 22 knockouts, I believe. Hasn't lost. You look at Anthony Joshua, who people presume to be the king of the heavyweights. And he has now lost his belts twice, was knocked out once, and was put on a uh, and and got uh, and got danced around by Yusek, who just moved up in the weight division. So I don't put Yusek. I have to put you have to put Yusek in the top five because he's a champion. But I give him maybe a, one more shot with if he wins against convincingly or even knocks out Joshua. Because if you guys remember in that twelfth round, it looked like Joshua was done for. He can easily move up to the number two, and then this is a real storyline between that. But as of right now, Usyk is the champion, uh, Tyson Fury is the champion, and now they have to go through their respective uh, round of the rings, which is Usyk has to give Joshua that rematch, Tyson Fury has to go against a mandatory challenger, excuse me, I say if you can get this all done before spring... By late fall, maybe early winter, or maybe even late summer, mid-fall, we should have a unified heavyweight champion. And another question it kind of leaves is, where does this leave Deontay with? Like, Deontay Wilder at this at this point right now is a warrior. He could still sell a fight. He still has that freakish power. He still has everything going for him. It's just now, where do we kind of go with it, I guess? Like, like for me, Deontay, it's an easy realm to where you have to fight Andy Ruiz. And even then, him and Andy Ruiz would probably sell a really good fight. Even though Andy Ruiz doesn't really have the, the best jaw in the world, he can box the hell out of people and he can fight. Here's a tweet going out saying, uh, after reflecting, here's a tweet going by Scott uh, underscore YouTube. After reflecting on the Wilder, on the Wilder lost, he lost better than Tyson, uh, the better man, Tyson Fury. I agree. But I don't want to ever hear AJ fans compare AJ to Wilder. AJ quit in his corner in the seventh round versus Ruiz standing. Wilder was prepared to die in the ring to beat Fury. They aren't the same. Deontay Wilder is built different. I completely agree with that. In the corner, seventh round, he quit. He wanted nothing about it. He may have thought he wanted it, but he didn't want anything more. And the ref saw it. And now you look at a couple other tweets that I'm looking at. What's the other one? There's another one without. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, those are just a bunch of. Uh, there was just a bunch of bunch of funny tweets. But ultimately, that was like the only one that kind of, they kind of just like stuck out with me the most. Was just you can't compare those two. I think right now what Deontay needs to what Deontay kind of needs to now go through this journey of going back into contender, 
You had to fight people like the Dillian Whites. Maybe even Big Baby Miller. He comes back after his two-year ban. Even though that was supposed to be a thing with Miller and Joshua. That would have been a crazy fight to see. You have to fight, uh, you, you know, the loser of Joshua and Usek. And maybe even the loser of Fury and Usek or Wild or Joshua, whoever wins that Usek fight. To be even be considered, if, if Tyson Fury becomes the king of the ring. There is no way that they'd split up those belts. I think they'll all try to unify them again. And Deontay gets another chance. Maybe they crack at Wilder. I mean, uh, at Fury. One last time for the fourth. and wouldn't, Which wouldn't do much because he's lost two now. It just, it just doesn't know. And looking at that undercard, it was a pretty good undercard. You saw Berlanga kind of get it humble, get a little slice of humble pie. I do like Berlanga. I think he's a really great fighter. But he's still too young to even think he's a top five in the super middleweight. His record says for himself, 17... Uh, it's 18 and 18 and 0 with 17 knockouts, I believe, or 18 and 16 knockouts because I know it's a unanimous decision. But he got he got put on his ass by a number 32 ranked super super middleweight. So you gotta kind of come the ranks with Berlanga. The heavyweight bouts are really really good. I didn't like the Konaki one, and I like Konaki. I was a huge fan of him, but those constant nut shots were just desperation, bro. Those are those are dirty. And now I can't wait. Dude, like, I honestly cannot wait for the, the rest of this year to pan out because there's so many great fights. Uh, Mikey Garcia fights this week. Uh, this week or oh, this week coming up. It should be it should be a fire show, honestly. I, I cannot wait. I can't wait to see, you know, what Mikey Garcia can do after being gone for almost two years. So I can't wait to see that. And I think that kind of settles it for the kind of sports section before we get to the NFL power hour half hour so let's 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 start now and before we even get into the NFL scores and all that other stuff yeah before we get into the NFL scores the Niners and what they kind of need to do right now going into this bye week we got to talk about the big elephant in the room for people that haven't got the news yet which it was breaking it would be that the Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden is no longer the head coach and most likely will never work a day in his life again in the N- in the NFL or ESPN or any sports outlet. Why is that? Because an uh, email about last week surfaced about him saying a racial, not a racial slur, but just very racial comments towards somebody. And <clears throat> it was really bad. It looked really bad on him. And then these, this past couple of days, over hundreds and thousands of emails surfaced and he wasn't even in the investigation there was a different investigation going on with the washington uh, football team formerly known as the redskins they had cheerleaders uh that were uh, that were uh, i think suing them or coming out saying they made us new make new nude photos without our consent yada yada and then all of a sudden because they were sending them out forwarding these emails and then all of a sudden they gave to john gruden and then they investigated John Gruden for a quick second. Why does he have these? And they uncovered over hundreds of email, thousands of emails over the span of almost eight years. And those were very, 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 very like, um, what's it called? Very bad. He was discriminating women, saying, why do we have women refs? Which, in my opinion, I love the women refs. I think it's a different point of view coming into that. Yes, I get it. It's a man's sport. 
But there's women out there that are tomboys and actually know the game a lot better than a lot of men. Because their dads raised them down. And you say, well, their dads raised them. Well, it takes them to understand it and comprehend it. I do like that. I can't wait for the day we're actually going to get, like, the head NFL referee as a woman. That's going to be fire. I know that for sure. He was saying that. He called Sam, uh, Michael Sam a queer. He was going to everybody. He was, he was throwing racial um, people out there. And this is, all before, this is all after his apology came out. And it was like, I never meant to, you know, I'm not a, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I'm not racist. You know, the typical fucking bullshit, you know, uh, apologies. And then all of a sudden, it all comes out that he is saying it's oh, far more racial things. And then now he just steps down because he can't, he can't, uh, he can't save himself. And granted, yes, you are allowed to, you have to get, when, when stuff like that comes out, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Granted, he is a full-blown adult. But people are allowed to change their opinions on other things. Yes, that's a racial thing. But you have to realize he play, he's been with a bunch of people and the executives who are black and who are different ethnicities. Maybe it would change his mind. And I'm not condoning what he... I am not saying what he did was right. It is beyond wrong what he's doing. But you can't allow people to change. This is the same thing that's kind of happening with, um, like with the whole Chappelle thing. I'm not getting into it because it's not one of our episodes where people try to cancel him because of what he was saying about transgender people and all that stuff, especially in his new special. And he extends the olive branch to explain he doesn't have a problem with them. And he's allowed to change his opinions on things. Same thing with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart got to go to the Oscars and then said something about, I believe gay people are transgender people. And they went after him and he had to, and he had to stop the role, the role of being the host. And so the same thing with Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray was 14 and a kid. Kyler Murray is now an adult. You're not allowed to... It's just weird. You're just not allowed to be perfect. But I get it. But then you can't... You can't defend him after all these other ones. Get it? You know what I'm saying? Like, you cannot... You can't even defend him. I'm not saying I'm defending him. What he said was wrong the first time. But... That was 10 years ago. He can have not a different opinion at that time. That's what I'm saying. But when all these other ones have come down all the way from 2018... He's a very racist person. Then even, what's his name, came out and said it. Um, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, the former Bucks, he even came out saying he was a fraud, he was doing this, that, and nobody listened to him because he, thought, because he was young and everyone thought he was a diva. When players, you should listen to players when they're actually trying to say something. You feel me? They have a big, they have a bigger word than the coach. I don't give a shit if the coach is the golden child. Those players play with him. And then you just want to off-ride them because, oh, they're divas and all that stuff. And the backlash has completely happened. It's made so much headlines that it's gone to the New York Times with this story and this scandal. And that begs to differ. And, the, and that begs to differ. And it, it begs the question to who was sending those emails about the naked chicks that even got him in the investigation in the first place. And people are speculating, and I'm speculating also, it's Dan Snyder. This has been an investigation for them for a minute now. And if Dan Snyder finally gets convicted of this, he is going to sell the team. He, they're going to force him to get rid of, to sell that team. And from that domino effect all the way to there, John Gruden is now out of a job. The Buccaneers took him out of the Hall of Fame, their own Hall of Fame, the Ring of Fame or whatever. He has no accolades anymore with the Buccaneers. He's nothing. His ring means nothing to them now because they don't consider him a... The coach of that. You could say, oh, well, he coached it. 
but the team officially denounced him as a, no, he no longer has ties to them. And that Super Bowl run. And again, it's a double-edged sword because they were saying we don't condone this this type of behavior and so-and-so. Then why do you still have Richard Sherman and Antonio Brown there? I'm just wondering. Because Antonio Brown was allegedly beating women and sexually harassing them. And we already seen the video with Richard Sherman. We don't got to go near that. But it's a pick and choose, I guess. You know, it's just, that's just me. And I, I just feel bad for people like Nasib, who is an openly gay player. And to see that his coach has said a lot of foul things about, you know, the type of group that you're in, the type of person that you are, he lost that locker room. He lost the locker room the minute the first email came out. They just came out and play. I just hate the fact that people are defending John Gruden. Like, there was this tweet out a couple uh, a couple hours ago saying, oh, no wonder we lost. You know, he was too focused on the emails. He couldn't focus on the game plan. I'm like, you're not, you're not getting the point there, sir. This man was making racial slurs to pretty much everybody besides Jewish people. Was denouncing transgender, saying, he was talking, he even told Roger Goodell he was the F-A-G word, the F-A-G-G-O-T word, and a pussy. And he's one of those things. Uh, I ain't gonna gonna agree with him. I'll agree with him on that. He's one of those things, and it ain't the F word. But, it's, you can't defend someone like that. That's like the thing with R. Kelly. I, I made the episode of the R. Kelly a while ago, saying like, I've learned to separate the man from the music. You cannot defend R. Kelly whatsoever. What is done has been done. He has incriminating evidence against him of the sexual assaults and charges on him, sex trafficking and all that stuff. You can't deny that. If you're choosing to look past that and still look at him like that as a great singer, and you're looking past him like, oh, he never did anything wrong. He never did any of that. People just want to check. But when there's evidence on that, Something's wrong with you. You're more worried about a stupid game about a team that don't care about you than the actual the actual problem, which is they have a race they have a racist coach who hates transgenders, who hates gay people, who's said some slurs upon more than I can even think of within eight within almost eight to nine years. And this is and that's not to say that John Gruden doesn't have to worry. He stole $70 million from the Raiders for doing absolutely nothing. He's pretty much sabotaged the Raiders, you can say, without even knowing. You haven't hit on a first-round pick. You haven't hit on anything besides maybe Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr is pretty much out the door, even though he is playing relatively really good. You've lost two You lost two games in a row, and there's nothing to it, man. Like, And that's just to say, that's on ESPN, too. ESPN had to know these emails had existed. Like, do you not understand, like, as an employer, like, you have to do background checks. Give me your email so I can see what you're typing to people. What are you saying to people? They must, dude, if I'm an employee, uh, if I'm an employer and you're going to work for me, give me all your social media so I know the type of person that's going to be representing my company. If you're saying some anti-Semitic things on Twitter, I'm not, I'm not following. You're not getting hired. I don't care if you're qualified. You are here to represent us as a company. And if word gets out that you are doing this and we knew about it, who's in more trouble here? Me. So ESPN, I don't know if they're on the hot seat. I don't know. But that is bad on them too. 
And this may be one of the biggest domino effects we will, we will see in sports history. Because John Gruden is going to speak out and John Gruden is going to say some names. I guarantee you that. John Gruden is going to have names. He's going to have addresses. He's going to have email addresses. I mean, he will bring down everybody. He will not be the only person going down. And if not, he was just the scapegoat. But we'll see. We'll see where this uh, story continues and panders out. And I, I, again, I feel bad for Nasib. I feel bad for a lot of these gay players that want to come out but are too scared because now you have things like you have people like John Gruden. Who's to say your coach isn't like that? Who's to say your coach wasn't sending those kind of emails out? You know what I'm saying? This is a huge investigation. Even the NFLPA, the Players Association, wants the de- demands, and they're signing a petition and demanding that all 650,000 emails get released and see what other people were saying. And that's to go, that's just Gruden. But that ultimately just closes the chapter on him. I don't know who the interim coach is for the Raiders. The Raiders are pretty much done at this point. Anyway, you know, the 3-0 the three, the three and o start, you guys start hot every season and then just shit the bed. You lost to a... you. That's another thing, too. Khalil Mack got the greatest poetic justice in sports history. I'm sorry. To get traded out of nowhere, not even by a dude that when Chucky first took over, he said, I'm getting rid of this guy, I'm getting rid of this guy. Getting rid of Khalil Mack, even though he's our greatest defensive player we've had in a long time. We're going to get him for a couple first-round picks, and none of those first-round picks have ever come close to the type of talent Khalil Mack has. And Khalil Mack absolutely destroyed the Raiders' offense that entire game. That is... So congratulations to Cleo Mack for getting his just dues. Now, we can officially go into the NFL Power Hour half hour. I mean, we're even in it, but this is the main. This was the breaking news story that came out. So I just wanted to tell you guys because at some, as a degree, I would consider myself a news outlet. I guess I don't know. But ultimately, this was a pretty cool week for week three. We probably might uh, for week five. We got by far probably the best game of the year so far. The Niners losing a third game in a row. And ultimately, uh, it's a little concerning, but not yet. Still a little too early. Still a little too early. But we got a lot of things to talk about. We got a lot of things to discuss. A couple takeaways. And with that saying, uh, one of the big takeaways I have right now is for the Patriots and Texans. Texans are a 1-4 football team. The Patriots are a... Two and three football team, I believe, right? Yes, they're two and three. And it, it really just shows Mac Jones. This game really shows, like, this was a terrible team going into that game. And the Texans were able to beat you. Not beat you, but ultimately beat you. You should have dominated against these Texans. And it just shows, like, Mac Jones has an incredibly low ceiling. Like, I'm seeing it right now, and Mac Jones has an incredible low ceiling he's good enough but i don't think he's the future unless you're getting like apps unless you're trading for like the julio jones of the world and you get you're getting a world star talent that's the only thing i can think of to actually make him that elite i don't think he'll be any good i still think he'll compete for the division but this is going to be the bills era for a while especially how josh allen is playing it's incredible uh the chargers and browns that may potentially be game of the year. They ended up going 42-47. Chargers winning. Justin Herbert with an astounding 398 yards, four touchdowns. 
Baker Mayfield with 305 yards and three touchdowns. A lot of other elements were there. Uh, Nick Chubb had a 161-yard game with one touchdown. Um, Austin Eckler had a 66-yard game with two touchdowns. Then Joku with one touchdown, 149 yards. And Williams with 165 yards and two touchdowns. This was just... This was a really, really great game. Especially if you were on fantasy. I don't do fantasy, but it, it, it shows, you know? Another thing is I do now take the Cowboys more seriously as a Super Bowl contender than I did from the beginning of the year. And this changes, you know? I didn't even have the Cowboys winning this. I think the Cowboys were maybe a second place. Maybe it was interchangeable. I thought the talented defense of the Washington football team can outdo their offensive struggles because they don't really have a quarterback. Heineke is good, but Heineke just doesn't have the weapons you would think a good quarterback like him would have. Right now, the Cowboys look to be a very dominant team. They were 44-20. to Daniel Jones did go out, so that did play a huge part of it. And this is just another thing. Like The Cowboys do belong in a very crappy division, but now they're winning this more convincingly with a lot of other teams. They won against the Chargers. Uh, I really can't look back at a lot of other things because my thing will freeze on me. But they have won a lot of notable teams. You won against the Chargers. You've outplayed. You almost, If it wasn't for Brady getting that last-minute drive, you would have won the game. You would have had an even bigger record. So, yeah, you know, I, I take the Cowboys just a little bit seriously. It makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. But I do take them a lot more seriously as a Super Bowl contender. They're playing out of their minds right now. You look at Dak, 132 yards. Ezekiel Elliott with 110 yards, and then CeeDee Lamb with 86 yards. Three touchdowns, one touchdown, one touchdown. It's just, it's showing. And, you know, maybe they may get a piece of humble pie very soon to kind of bring them down. But right now, I simply just can't. Oh, and their defense, their young corner right now, I'm forgetting his name. He is outstanding. He's playing outstanding. This is overall a complete team as of what I'm seeing right now. Now, another kind of takeaway I saw from this was the Seattle game. Seattle might be in trouble for the next couple of weeks because Seattle no longer has their scapegoat, which is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the only reason that team is relatively anything good. I think their defense is subpar. I think their offense is decent. They don't have a good offensive line. DK Metcalf's okay, not that dominant. Tyler Lockett's good, but not that guy, I would say. And their running game is it's just super non-existent to a degree. And you have the, you know, the 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 the, the dysfunction with Pete Carroll and now Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is going through surgery. I believe he tore tendon in his thumb or finger, something like that. And he's going to be gone for the next six to eight weeks. So we will not be seeing him until the tail end of the year. And as of right now, Geno Smith is going to take head. Geno Smith hasn't played, a, I don't think hasn't started since Sam Darnold took place, which was almost four or five years ago. I haven't heard that man's name in a while. It, they, they're even gotten so desperate that they've got Blake Bortles. I think this is over for Seattle. I really don't know their schedule. But Seattle looks to be, looks to be, done I'm, I'm sorry like Seattle looks to be Seattle looks to be non-existent right now in this division I get it this is a very strong division but when you look at who they got to face in the next couple of weeks this is 
This is going to be very, very tough for them. Because, look, you got to face the Steelers on Sunday night. Then you got to face the Saints. That you, get, you either get good Jameis or you get shitty Jameis. The Steelers just came off a good win. Their defense is playing outstanding. Big Ben, it, it's, he's getting it done. I think you can win against the Jaguars. You're not getting win against the Seahawks. You're not winning against the Cardinals. You could possibly get a So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't see you winning against... At the Saints is a toss-up. You're not winning against the Packers. You're not winning against the Cardinals. You're not winning against the... Uh, you're pretty much not going to win against the Niners. Texans, maybe. And you're not winning against the Rams. And maybe Chicago. This You're not seeing Russell till possibly after Christmas. That's... It's either the 19th when he comes back against the Rams or after Christmas. So I really don't know. Like, the Saints, that's a toss-up. You really don't know. Saints have a good defense, but it's Jameis Winston that kind of kills you there. Jaguars. Jaguars can get a kind of a good win out of that. So everything's pretty much a toss-up, I would say, besides the Washington and the Texans game. They'll give them a good run for their money, but we'll see. So at the end of it, they can have, like, one, two, three, four, five, six losses in the six to eight weeks. So they can go, like, what are they, what's the record now, like, two and something? No, three and something, right? They're two of three. So I can see them possibly being like a four and like seven in the next six to eight weeks. Like a like four and seven or a, or like a three and six or something like that in the next couple of weeks. We just don't know. I think the Seattle's done. I even think the Pete Carroll era is done with this. They just They just want him out, man. Um, another thing, another takeaway I saw is the Chiefs are in trouble. I'm sorry. I said the Chiefs are still a good team, but there's a, t- there's a lot of flaws. The Chiefs are in trouble. I don't see them winning this division. I'm sorry. As much as it is Patrick Mahomes, and as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, you win this game. As of right now, I can't see that. They invested so much into that offensive line. Not paying a lot, but you know you dis- dismantled it brought it back up, it's like senior citizens are playing on that offensive line. Patrick has to run for his life. And I think there's a lot of distraction going into this season with Patrick Mahomes, uh, with his brother and his wife being just nonsense in the in the realm of, excuse me, oh my God, being uh, just distractions. His brother living off his name, just the clout-wise. His brother being mad and disrespectful to fans. His wife going on Twitter saying, oh, y'all are mad because I'm right. Da-da-da. Like, that's very distracting because even at that one point in a press conference, Patrick Mahomes had to talk about his brother, who doesn't even play. And my thing is this. If you're worth half a billion dollars, which is his contract, 10 years, $500 million, you do have some say what you have control of your family with when it comes into your likelihood and your name. I'd be like, I take my, I take his brother phone away. Be like, you are, stop. I don't care what you do. You are not going to dismantle my name and my reputation because I have to talk about you. And his wife too. Yo, you have to media train these people. To me, I think that's again. I think every uh, player who has a family that is rambunctious and very loud and think like. And are uh, kind of like, because there are other family members that are like that. They just don't get the name because they don't have the notoriety of a Patrick Mahomes. 
you have to media train your family to be like, okay, this is my image. I may have potential brand deals. You cannot ruin this for me so I can still keep food on the table for us. You feel me? And the way right now, Travis Kelsey been a non-factor in the last couple of games. Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, same thing. Um, Edward DeLair still trying to get his feet under him. It, it just looks all bad for... It looks bad right now. But I think right now with the whole Raiders situation, I think the Raiders are going to fall down again. The Broncos, who really knows what they're going to do now? It's just, like I said before, this is a very interesting division. But right now, I see a clear-cut winner, and that is the Chargers. The Chargers went through a whole war with Cleveland, who was a young and talented team. You cannot, you can't downplay Cleveland. They That was a great game, young and talented, Baker Mayfield, all that stuff. And they won. They were the better team. They came out with the better you know, obviously the better score to win the game. Now, excuse me, does this mean like uh, it's been over, da-da-da? No, I don't think it's over quite yet. I just think right now Patrick Mahomes has been figured out and cannot adjust to being figured out as to Lamar Jackson. We figured out Lamar Jackson. If you make Lamar Jackson have to play Superman all day long, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. You look at the Colts game, 22-9. You look at the uh, Broncos, not the Broncos game. You look at a lot of other games where he was far behind. He didn't make those comebacks. Clearly see that now. Patrick Mahomes can't adjust yet. Can he adjust? Who knows? Who We really, really don't know until it happens. So we'll see. And what I am going to be talking about right now, obviously we're on to the Niners. Oh, and congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. They are most, they're my Super Bowl pick. I'm sorry. They're, they're going to represent the Super Bowl. They just look to be so dominant. If it wasn't for the Steelers, they'd be undefeated. They outplayed the Steelers. I'm sorry. They'd be undefeated, and they would be the number one choice to go to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. That's my pick. I'm sorry. Now, uh, within the coming week, obviously you guys know I'm a huge Niner fan. The Niners are going through their bye week. And... I'm sorry. Uh, I, I whoa! I had a complete brain fart right there. The Niners had just played the Arizona Cardinals in a in a pretty big war. I'm sorry, that was a huge. That was a pretty good game they played. I don't care what people say. I get it. I get it. A loss is a loss. You got to take it, right? But to me, this was a very eye opening experience to watch the Niners draft pick Trey Lance play his game. Trey Lance had. A very interesting, a very interesting debut as a starter. What I mean by that is his stats are, eh, but I don't think his. I don't. I think what he showed on the field kind of outweigh, out outweighs the stats. You look at the stats are now fifteen of twenty nine. He had one hundred and ninety two yards in the day, one interception, and you look at. He's running, he had 89 yards. That is what is interesting to me, but that is also what I don't like to see. And I believe that's blame on Shanahan. But you look at Trey Lance, like I said, he had a 51% uh, 51% completion rating. And, you know, he's average. What was, that? what was that stat part? I can't read that. But he had one interception. My thing is this, what I took away is this. Lance isn't ready to start just yet. But he will be soon. I'll say that is my biggest takeaway from that. 
my thing is I do not like Lance running 16 times. I looked at that game. I thought I was I was looking at a I was looking at a shitty bargain bargain brand of Lamar Jackson. Not to say Trey Lance is shitty. The way that play, those play designs were were very shitty by Shanahan. Why are you and why are you gonna make this kid run 16 times? Be the leading rusher when you have Elijah Mitchell back in the game. Elijah Mitchell just came back out of a shoulder injury, and he only had. 43 yards, his longest was 14 yards. Trey Lance, 89 yards off, 16 rushes, and his biggest was 15 yards. And then Sermon with two, Juszczyk with zero, Debo Samuel with 13. It just shows you that Shanahan doesn't really know what he's doing right now. I, I really don't know. I don't know if he's trying to baby these running backs because he is low on running backs. What he's trying to do with Trey, because this is like this is giving me RG three vibes. The reason why RG three isn't a starting quarterback is because of Shanahan. You ran this kid to the dirt. You made him go through surgery. You did not allow him to adjust and be the pocket passer that you liked with Matt Ryan and Jimmy. Even though Jimmy isn't really that much of a arm thrower as Tan uh, Ryan uh, is Matt Ryan, he's still similar. There's similarities. Now. Let's look at the positives. Trey Lance showed that he wanted to win that game more than anything. And you look at the score. This is a huge W for the Niners. I'm sorry. Even though it's a loss, you bring the Cardinals back to bring the Cardinals kind of back to earth. Everyone's saying the Cardinals are the Super Bowl bound. Who knows? Whatever. The, the Cardinals are running away with this division. Yeah, even though they are undefeated, the Niners kept them to seven po- 17 points. No other team has caught, has got them under 20 points before. The Niners did that. And what I what I said before with the mobile quarterbacks, you have to sacrifice one outside linebacker to stop Kyler Murray's exit routes. Like I said, Lamar Jackson, Vrabel exposed him. You get two, you expose him, he has to go up the middle. That's where the middle linebacker should meet him. But then again, it's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's very gift, very athletically gifted and just very versatile when it comes to that. That's not the same thing with him and Kyler Murray. If Lamar Jackson had Kyler Murray's acceleration speed, it's over Lamar Jackson goes to Super Bowl. I'm sorry. He can do that any day he wants. Kyler Murray is just fucking fast. But they kept Kyler Murray to a bare minimum. You look at Kyler Murray. One yard on rushing today. Uh, his... He had two attempts, one yard, and his longest was 10 yards. Why that? Because there were sacks and all that when he was running. So I, I just want to let you know. Overall, the Niners were in it to a degree. You know, 186 on the, on the, on the, in the air compared to 210. The rushing yards is 152 to 92. Total yards, you pretty much had these guys beat besides the pass. To me, Trey Lance just tried way too much to make plays that couldn't happen. Hence why the interception happened. And you're looking at it like Elijah Mitchell was the piece to put in. You're getting Jeff Wilson back in November. You're gonna get uh you're gonna get your core running back, your core running back, uh your running back core back to what it was besides Raheem Mostert. You get to have Elijah Mitchell. Trey Sermon and Jermichael Hasty, which was a successful package in itself. 
but you just don't want to do it. And it, it shows. You'd rather have Lance hurt, which got him hurt, by the way. 16 attempts. You don't expect him to get some type of injury. He has a knee sprain now. It won't be seen for two weeks. And people are speculating, oh, this is the, this is the, it seems fishy. The kid said it in an interview. How are you going to denounce this kid when he even said, I didn't feel it until I got hurt. Until I went to bed, I'm sorry. Until I went to bed. And right now, I just see this. Trey Lance just really isn't, isn't the best option for the Niners going forward. I think Jimmy Garoppolo just goes forward. Even if the Niners, if the Niners somehow get kicked out by week 10 in the playoffs. It like say they, they don't win a game until week 10 and they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Then I know Jimmy Garoppolo is done with the Niners. I start Trey Lance for the last seven games and we truly get to see what he's like with the starters and give him more of that momentum. But if Jimmy is starting and Jimmy is healthy, which they said a two to three weeks the bye week saves Jimmy. We will see Jimmy Garoppolo under center. And most likely Jimmy Garoppolo can and will win most of these games. I'm looking at the schedule right now. I said this before. I thought Niners were going 13 and whatever. I thought they were going to go 13 and 4. Da, da, da. They're already losing three games. You think the Niners are going to win the rest of their games? This is a very uh, unusual schedule for the Niners. You go against the Colts on Sunday night on the 24th of October. Then you play the Bears at in the morning. Then you play the Cardinals again in November. The you got back-to-back games again in the division. You have Cardinals and Rams. Then you play the Jaguars, you play the Vikings, you play the Seahawks again, and you play the Bengals. If I'm being realistic, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 games, I think they can win against the Colts. Is their injuries? I think they can win against the Bears. It's just the fact that Khalil Mack is just so dominant. You have to double him. Mike McGlinchey is the one person that pisses me off during this entire thing. Kyler, uh, not Kyler. Um, fuck, what's his name? I, I, oh my god, I just, I, I don't know why I'm having brain farts right now. It's, it's early in the morning. Granted, it's not early in the morning. It's like ten o'clock. But the, uh, the Niners' right guard, the Niners' right offensive tackle. Mike McGlinchey, that's his name. Fuck. Mike McGlinchey has cost Trey Lance so many passwords. Dude, I've never seen 99 so many times. I've never seen J.J. Watt maybe so many times I've ever seen against the Niners team. And that's because of Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey doesn't deserve his contract extension. I'm sorry. He's great against the rush, terrible against the pass. He either needs to get traded or they move him into the interior and get someone else to replace him because he's obviously not the man for the job for that. But... And then you're going to have to go against Khalil Mack on either side. Trent Williams, you played okay, even though you didn't have a penalty on them. So on and so forth. I think right now you have, I think they're going against the Colts. I believe they can win against Chicago. The Cardinals, that's a different story now. But now that the Niners know their defense played outstanding, D'Amico Ryan played an excellent game plan against Kyler Murray, and that is literally to only get him to the rushing yards, that nobody thought. If you can keep him contained, you can win. But you left him stranded for so long, you didn't do anything, and that's how the game got away with you. That's that's how I see it. Now, Cardinals, that's a toss-up. I think they can win against the Cardinals. I don't know. The Rams, I might have to see what the Rams are going to look like for the next couple of weeks. I, that could be a toss-up too. The Jaguars, I believe you can win against the Jaguars. The Vikings, 
you could possibly win against the Vikings. You have a better defense than that offensive line. The Seahawks, yes. I don't know about the Bengals. So I see the Niners, out of the six games, I see them winning possibly four or five. They can go six. They can go a possible six and four. They can go a six or four. Uh, they can go six for four. They, it, they can get a winning record with this. I think right now, if Jimmy Garoppolo shows that he can put shit together and not constantly throw, make bad decisions and can push this field, he can win against the Colts and he can win against Chicago. It's that running game that Shanahan doesn't... He's like abandoned it for the last three games. I, I don't know. Uh, I really don't want to leave it there just yet. Another thing I want to say, congrats, uh, Domingo Ryan played a great... The Niners, even though, again, penalties and pass interferences, I don't get why we're the most penalized team. The corners are just... You need to trade for a corner before the trade deadline. That is such a huge... Josh Norman is just like Richard Sherman, just old and just can't do it. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think I'm gonna leave it there at that point. I think right now, the Niners are in a weird situation. If there's anything you want to take away from this episode, Bills are Super Bowl bound. The Niners can possibly turn this. The Niners can possibly turn this around. Cardinals, not sold on them. Niners brought them down. Who knows if they can get exposed? Chiefs, you gotta figure something out. John Gruden, you're a piece of trash. And I hope everything's coming and everything and everything coming to you. It's well deserved. I hope you guys like this episode. This will be posted on Wednesday, somewhere within that time. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week. I have a huge episode coming out Friday. You got basically much a two back. You got pretty much a back to back episode coming in the span of three days. I'm sorry. With that saying, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Look forward to Friday for the vintage community. Uh, if you guys are vintage community listening to the sports right now, I'm not gonna do the picks. I'm not gonna do the super six picks today. It just seems like a really weird kind of week for that, so I will not be doing that. And just for news for next week, I won't be covering anything because it is the bye week for the Niners, and I cover all Niners. I may do a couple pinpoints here and there, but I will be doing the mid year assess the mid year um, rankings when it comes to the top ten in the league. The and the new standings. We're going to look back at my old standings. We're going to go to the new standings. You feel me? So, with that saying, if you guys want to follow this, uh, follow me. You guys can follow me at Vintage City Kings with the Z at the end. Support this podcast in any way possible. Look forward to Friday. Again, huge interview I did. Um, you guys can follow this podcast on pretty much anything you guys put your little minds to. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you kind of get your podcast from it's pretty much on there at this point apple podcast make sure to give us a five uh, a five star rating tell us if you like it what can you improve on so on and so forth a new episode release of the night shifter so please go watch that new episode should be coming out anytime next week i love you guys i'll see you guys in the next episode peace out boy scout slash girl scout what the fuck am i doing about that? oh my god